Hey there, welcome to Ag Trends by AgVend, a podcast where we dig into a new era in ag retail and explore the strategies being used by pioneers in the ag industry. My name is Anna Cardoz, a product marketing manager with AgVent and your host. This week, we are joined by Shane Thomas, global digital ag lead at Farmer's Edge and author of Upstream Ag Insights. In part one of our chat, we cover a range of topics from how technology use can reduce risk for farmers to how e-commerce isn't a full digital strategy for a business and so much more. Hope you enjoy. With us this week, we have Shane Thomas. So Shane, um, welcome to the podcast. And you know, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, hey, Anna, thanks for having me. Uh, excited to be here and uh, have been listening to your guys' podcast and, and following Eggven for, for a couple of years now. And so uh, yeah, I appreciate you uh, sending me the invite. Yeah, a little bit of background on, on me. So I'm, I'm Canadian. I am uh, based in Calgary, Alberta today, but grew up in small town Saskatchewan, uh, Canada, which is uh, one province over from Alberta, kind of north of North Dakota and Montana. Grew up there. Didn't grow up on a farm, but uh, my dad actually worked in ag retail and agriculture for 37 years, I I believe it was. And so I actually went to university after I graduated high school uh, for kinesiology and psychology. Had no interest in agriculture and and, uh, didn't anticipate my career going that way. But after my first year of university, uh, my dad said, what are you going to do for a job in the summer? And I hadn't ever considered that. And so he said, well, the local retail, which was a Viterra at the time, uh, had a job opening. So I was basically the individual that slung chemical onto the back of the truck, loaded fertilizer, and, and oddly enough, fell in love with it. And, and all the complexity around agronomy is, is really what drew me in, to be honest. And, and so I changed my major that, that next year and uh, ended up being a crop scout all throughout the rest of my summer at a large uh, independent egg retail. Uh, after I graduated university, I ended up being an agronomist at that independent egg retail and eventually a senior agronomist, uh, primarily working with customers before as the agronomist, supporting sales, supporting their agronomic needs, uh, doing trials, all that sort of stuff. And then uh, as the the senior agronomist uh, worked more towards building a what does the trial protocols look like? What do the digital and precision initiatives need to look like? Loved it. They were great to me. It was a a great job and great people and but wanted to be in a different location and uh, ended up taking a role with a a large agribusiness in in southern Alberta in in Canada doing the same role as what that senior agronomist role was in. But they didn't have maybe the same sort of infrastructure as in terms of agronomic plans and tools and systems in place. And so I was really given free reign in, uh, in a Southern Alberta, Southwestern Saskatchewan to help to build out what do these initiatives need to look like so we can be the go-to agronomy experts in, in the geography. What do we need to do to add value to the customers? And so that was pretty fun. Uh, after that, I got the opportunity with that same organization to tackle the a marketing manager role. So I got to dive into, uh, into marketing and being able to see how supplier programs work, uh, seeing how all the uh, of market share works and and uh, processes to go to market strategy and and so that was pretty fun I loved it it was a different scope uh, and then shortly after that role I, I got given the opportunity to really dive into the distribution side of things as well so as tackling distribution and marketing and could see how those really work together and and were synergistic so if you understand what's going on from a marketing perspective from a programming perspective you can be more strategic with the distribution the forecasting all those sorts of things shortly after that got uh, given the opportunity to 
tackle agronomy, agronomy management role in the, the digital um, strategy for the organization as well. So at the at the end, when I was at this uh, large agribusiness, I was looking after uh, agronomy distribution, marketing, and, and the digital side of things and loved it. And that's kind of what's shaped my my career in terms of my perspective and my scope, but uh, ended up wanting to, to be uh, back in, in Alberta. And so uh, my girlfriend and I moved to Calgary and uh, this is, you know, call it a couple of years ago now or so, and uh, took on a role with, with Farmer's Edge, which I love the opportunity to come work for Farmer's Edge. I'd always had a lot of respect for uh, Wade Barnes, who's the co-founder and CEO. Um, they're on the cutting edge from a distributor, sorry, from a technology perspective and, and uh, doing interesting things with machine learning and, and artificial intelligence and, and really just all the digital components to, to agriculture and supporting that farmer. And I, I wanted to be associated with it. And so was given the opportunity to tackle the role of uh, global digital ag lead. And, and that's where I'm at today. And that's uh, what really gives me uh, the opportunity to work with retail partners that Farmers Edge has. So we work with partners and, and become their uh, essentially their digital infrastructure. I also get to work on things like the uh, carbon and traceability uh, side of stuff, which is a little more abstract and kind of evolving today. But it's interesting to see uh, that perspective and see how everything works uh, along those lines and what needs to be taken into account. And so uh, that's that's really been been my career. On my weekends, I uh, I realized that when I started at Farmer's Edge, I love it and, and still to this day enjoy it uh, thoroughly. But uh, I do miss some of the aspects of ag retail and crop protection, seed, all those different components. And so I started writing upstream ag insights really just to try and give me a little bit more perspective and not lose what's happening on the entirety of the ag industry because I, I have become exceptionally passionate about the industry as a whole. And so uh, that's kind of what I do on, on the side. And that's, you know, part of the reason I think we got connected and talked a little bit with with Alexander as well. And so ah, that's kind of my my background. Sorry, I got a little bit long winded there. No, that's okay. I mean, it sounds like you've had a really long standing background. And I think at the center of a lot of it, aside from the grunt work that you did your first summer working in ag retail, yep. you know, at the kind of center of that, you've had a lot of experience with digital and how that digital role has changed in ag retail and even in the ag industry in the last, you know, 10, 15 years and kind of where that's changing mm-hmm. as we look forward to. And so, you know, a question that I ask all of my guests that I think you'll have a pretty interesting answer to is what's an innovation in ag that you thought had no chance of surviving or lasting, but was actually well adopted and had taken off that really surprised you? Yeah, I guess I have a have a couple examples. One's not so technologically savvy, so I'll, I'll I'll go with the other one. But drones is something that has been really captivating to me over the last uh, call it six months to a year. I, I remember being you know 2012, being an agronomist and hearing about these drones. I'm like, these are going to be awesome. These are going to be the best thing ever. And uh, I look at the uh, Gardner hype cycle, and and I think they were at the at a very high level in that 20. 20- 12 to 20, you know, 14, 15, 16, and, uh, but started to realize some of the shortcomings of those when it comes to, you know, things like how manual they are, the regulations, battery life, data processing, all that uh, ended up being uh, a challenge. And, and so they kind of stagnated, I, I would say, maybe I, I'm biased there, I maybe wasn't as exposed to it. But I look at it today, and where the technology has really started to ramp up in terms of being able to deliver some of that automation, so you can take away the manual component, data process, 
processing is getting better resolution and, and artificial intelligence of within some of the data that's being captured is, is exceptional. Um, battery lives are starting to be managed. And so all of a sudden they're even being positioned as ancillary to uh, instead of a, a standalone. So, you know, I think a lot of people are like, well, satellites are going to be, be useless and, and we're going to all have drones. And uh, I look at it more as can you have those two together and make them work in conjunction? Same with sprayers, um, being able to look at uh, drones to be able to um, manage to spray certain areas of a field or spray certain types of products. Maybe it's a micronutrient on or something along those lines that I think brings up some pretty interesting dynamics. And so they maybe haven't ramped up quite yet in terms that they are for sure going to be around, but I just kind of look at my perspective on how it's kind of went up and down and that sort of thing. And, and uh, um, where I thought they were going to be in 2015 to where they're at today, I think has been relatively successful. And I think we'll, we'll continue to see some interesting rollouts from, from some of those organizations and from the drone uh, individuals. So yeah, I think that's probably the best, best example for me. Yeah. And you know, drones is a great example. Um, it was kind of a technology early on that a lot of people got really excited about. And during that launch, you were, I believe, still a sales agronomist or working with sales agronomists. So how did you see that adoption and implementation of a new technology in the organization? And how do you think that that kind of differs today as they look at different technologies that they can use? Yeah, I think I anticipated when I initially uh, heard about them that, you know, I was just going to be, you know, I always had a quad in the back of my truck so I could go rip across the field and, and scout yeah. and do the W pattern and that sort of thing. And, and in my head, it was going to be, well, you know what, now all of a sudden, instead of having a quad in the back of the truck, uh, I'm going to have a drone or I'm going to have both of them so that while I'm going around on the quad, making my uh, physical observations, this drone's going to be going across as well. And so that's kind of where I, I thought things would, would start to get to. And, you know, today, I think it's, it's more along the lines of you have this very specialized drone pilot in, in some of the areas that do utilize drones. You have very specialized drone pilots within some of the retails or, or outside of retail, some very specific um, companies that focus on offering drone services and and they're really doing it as as another data layer and something to actually add on whether it's you look at some of those companies out there like a Tyrannus for example that has really high resolution utilizing some of that artificial intelligence to identify where is their disease starting where is their insect pests infiltrating the field what are some of the micronutrient deficiencies and you can start to build out treatment maps and those sorts of things from that and so um, I, I think where I saw it is you know every single agronomist was going to have one and now we've we've really uh, I guess really evolved to uh, specialists have having those uh, in their truck and or in their uh, on the bed of their truck or, or wherever. But I think where we might see it get to is, you know, even some farmers might have one of these that are automated and can go up and, and uh, actually obtain data and acquire data because ultimately that's what uh, these organizations are doing. It's just a different medium to acquire data to make an informed decisions for, for a farmer or for an agronomist to help make a recommendation to a farmer. And so I think that's uh, kind of where I thought it was going to go and kind of where we're at at today. And in the future, we, we might see uh, still some specialists. We might actually see some retails look to add that on as, as something as a, as a service offering when they look to evolve what they are going to be offering to their customers or what they deem necessary to stay relevant or, or add value in the marketplace. Yeah. And it's interesting that you mentioned something about value add and, you know, what they can do to stay relevant um, in the space in ag retail. You know, at AgVend, we see the value-added services that retailers are doing is changing and it's not what it used to be 10 years ago of, you know, walking the fields 15 times was the value-added service that you got for being a part of that ag retail. So you know, how do you see that changing? I saw um, last week you talked about e-commerce does not equal digital and that's not necessarily um, the value add that customers are expecting. So kind of walk me through that a little bit more, what you're seeing with value adds changing and how digital is playing a role in that. 
Yeah, definitely. I think that's a great, great question. And I, I look at what has been been done traditionally. Service has been based off of, you know, what kind of a product line? Do you have a full product line? Do you have agronomy and crop scouting? Uh, do you have delivery and custom application? And I, I don't necessarily think any of that's going away, but how you deliver on some of those might change with the dynamics. And so even with crop scouting more specifically, that in and of itself has been what I would say is commoditized uh, in the marketplace. It's just everybody does it. But how do you, you start to look at some of the, the really uh, um, progressive retail or organizations that are looking to use some of these digital tools to enhance their agronomists and, and ensure that they can give added value layers onto what that farmer is needing to make for a decision. Uh, I look at, you know, today, uh, there's lots of different ways you can you can add value. I think we've we've traditionally thought of adding value as crop scouting or just that uh, delivery and those sorts of things. And and uh, when I look at it, there's there's a number of different ways to, to add value. And, and I think one of the things that comes to mind for me is Jeff Bezos talks about uh, customers being divinely discontent. And essentially that means that their expectations are continually going up. And, you know, I don't necessarily think we can always compare farmers to, to consumers and vice versa, but I think there's some applicability to, to farmers that they're going to continually expect more and need more to be able to execute at a high level. They're running multi-million dollar businesses in many cases. And so uh, they need support. And so when I look at, look at that, I, I start to look at what are these farmers going to need to uh, have a better experience or to be able to produce more or, or any of those sorts of things. And this comes to another comment that uh, comes from a, uh, a venture capitalist named Josh Wolf. And uh, he, he's pretty simple with it. He's, he says, what sucks? And so when I look at egg retail, and when I look at what sort of uh, value added we're going to see in the future, it's going to come down more to uh, identifying what sucks for the customer within the process of purchasing from a retail. And where can I reduce that friction or that pain point? And there's, there's a number of different ways that that can be done. You know, I look at just some of the things around credit, for example, filling out a credit form can be exceptionally painful. What kind of things can you you implement that make that simpler, make that more streamlined so that, that it's easier for the farmer, but then that's going to turn into easier sales in the sense of you're not having to go back and forth on things. Uh, maybe there's a fintech play there as well. Uh, when we start talking about an egg vendor or, or any of the uh, different technologies in the marketplace, or even bill payment and seeing some of your invoices, how can you make that easier for the farmer versus having to phone? I remember having, uh, sitting in the office and the receptionist getting a call about, Hey, what's my bill at? And uh, I have to come in and pay for it. How can we put that into an app or online, something like that to reduce the effort needed to actually achieve something specific, even for, you know, getting prices for inputs. Uh, again, it's not necessarily just putting a website up with a bunch of prices and products, but you want to reduce the friction of what it takes that farmer to get prices, to get the information relevant to what they need on their field. Even things like risk, for example, how can you reduce the risk for that farmer? You know, we've traditionally looked at different things that there's been a lot of value add around trials being done so that you can confidently go to a farmer and say, this fungicide is going to give you a three to one ROI and that sort of thing. But is there other types of uh, systems that you can put in place from an insurance perspective? Uh, you know, I, I look at some of the things that we can do it at Farmer's Edge, or even you look at some of the Grower's Edge, for example, that has these types of things when it comes to the, the digital technologies, even grower program management. I know people don't necessarily like the grower programs, but in the short term, I don't necessarily think they're going to be going away. So how can you actually look at what that farmer is dealing with and say in real time, here's the best choice based on the programming and have that easily accessible and not have to go to the Corteva website and then the Bayer website and the BASF website to see, hey, what is my best fit? How can that all be on one screen with a couple clicks based on my purchases. And so 
those sorts of things to me are going to be value added because they are reducing friction, they're reducing the effort, they're giving more time back to that farmer to be able to make the decisions that are necessary to run a multi-million dollar business. And, and I think those are, are a few of the examples. Even you could still go into the agronomy side of things where, you know, crop scouting and, and crop planning are extremely important today and will continue to be important. But how can you really deliver new products into the marketplace based on your understanding of the market and based on your understanding of those customers in the marketplace? You know, maybe it's a uh, taking a couple different generic uh, off patent products and creating something that is a fit for your customers in your given area of Illinois or, or wherever it is, or even looking at some of these other tools and technologies that are, that are out there like biologicals and biostimulants, micronutrients, co-packaging that together based on soil tests in your area, utilizing data and all these sorts of things. And so I think there's, there's a number of different uh, avenues to be able to add value to that that farmer add value to that customer and, and uh, differentiate yourself as, as a retailer as well. Because, you know, today we look at a lot of the strategies they're they're relatively closely aligned, but there is a number of ways to really differentiate yourself in the marketplace and become not just a trusted advisor, but that person that gives them more time back to spend with their family, gives them more time to manage their business, all these sorts of things that um, would be considered value add. And, and uh, I think when I look at a, a company like Amazon, again, they get referenced a lot, but uh, I don't think anybody would say, Amazon isn't value add. They are reducing friction. They're making it easier to buy. They're, they're making things simple if there is an issue. And so I think that's the, the type of uh, initiative that will really add value to farmers in the marketplace and will really differentiate who's going to win, who's going to be competitive and what retailers are really going to be the, the go-to group or company in the marketplace. And I think it's going to differ by, by marketplace. What's relevant in Western Canada might not be the same as what's in central Nebraska. It's, it's going to be very, very different. And, and I think that having good people that understand the marketplace and are willing to identify and, and innovate based on not just what a farmer said on a survey, but where you see the puck going, so to speak. I don't know if this is big in, in the US, but in Canada, the Wayne Gretzky quote of, you know, go to where the puck is going to be. And, and I think that's something that really will differentiate some of these retails. You need to take into account what farmers want today and what they're looking for, but also anticipate things that they don't necessarily see and, and uh, really take action to put something in place to be able to take advantage of that. Yeah, that was a lot of great information and insight. And I want to dive yeah, sorry. into some of those yeah. points, but you did just show your true Canadianness by quoting Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> yeah. Growing yeah. up in upstate New York where hockey was big, I, I can appreciate it at least, yeah. but uh, yeah, that, that was great. So you kind of have a I think three key themes that we also talk a lot about at AgVend with having a digital tool that really accomplishes three things for internal teams as well as for your customers. And it's saving time, right? Everyone does not have enough hours in the day. And so whatever we can do to save time is pretty impactful. The second theme that we have is instant access to your information. Whether you're a sales agronomist, it's instant access to your customer information. Or as a customer, it's instant access to the information that you need to maintain your financials, run your business, create your budgets, look at your plans, all of that. And the third theme is streamlining communications. It's you're getting hit from text, email, cell phone calls. If you have yeah. a landline like my parents, you might get landline calls. So you're getting hit in these very different forms of communication. And sometimes it's difficult to really keep track of where all of those fit. And so, you know, would you say that those are some three key themes from retail as well as from the customer side that value added services should really try and start focusing up into those th three themes? Yeah. 
Yeah, I fully agree. I think you start to look at, you guys have done a great job of, I would say, putting it into buckets or or pillars, so to speak, where it's, hey, you know what, here's a core, here's something that's core to the customer that's going to be relevant, that's going to be an area where we know they're going to to, uh, value. And again, I'm probably going to quote, I I like Jeff Bezos a lot, but, you know, I I look at what what he, he talks about is, uh, customers are never going to want slower delivery. They're never going to want more expensive prices. And so kind of how do you build on those core components? And what you guys have built out is is something similar with the time and, and being able to simplify that. And and I think it's within that is where you can really start to innovate as a, as a retail because, you know, it's, it's identifying those components, but then it's about how do you integrate that into your process, into your business, into what you do day to day. I think I've written about it a little bit, but in terms of you have, uh, you have people that have, I remember, I wrote a, sorry, I'm kind of going all over, but uh, I wrote an article in or a blog in 2018 called the future of egg retail. And, and it just kind of touched on some of what I touched on there and some other things. And uh, I got a lot of comments back from, from retails being like, well, you know, we can just put up a website if we really want to. That's, that's not that difficult. And, and I think that misses the point about what's necessary from an integration perspective and what's necessary from the customer's perspective to make sure they have a strong, positive experience and to make sure that your, your staff understand what's going on. You still need to have alignment between all levels of your, your staff and all layers. Uh, you need to have priorities in place. You need to have uh, the ability to identify what's going to be ancillary to what you're implementing. Uh, and you need to be able to identify, you know, how are we going to create the habit and drive traffic to this, this website? All these different components need to be, need to be looked at. And, and I think they, they in and of themselves need tactics and really a, a methodical approach to what does this look like? And even you get into things like workflow and fulfillment of the orders and, and all these different components. There's, uh, you know, I know you guys talk a lot about that as well, but management of inventory, all these need to be considered and, and looked at is in terms of what does this look like and how are we actually going to execute on this? And I even think that it, it brings on new opportunities as a, as a retailer and, you know, something along the lines of, we talk a lot about data, but if you, if you can have all this data, but if you don't do anything with it, it's not really valuable, right? It, it has to actually be utilized and implemented. And if you start to add on a website, now you have a new source of data, you have a new ability to capture data, and you have the need to actually quantify or or crunch that data. And so does a retailer need to consider hiring a data scientist? All these sorts of things need to be need to be looked at, in my opinion, or else, you know what, you're, um, you're just spending money and throwing good money after bad at something that's not really adding value to your customers or your your staff, it might even be confusing your staff as to why is this website here? You know, am I, am I going to lose my job? Because I'm a salesperson, which isn't the uh, reality at all. It actually, it, to, what you guys would, would preach and talk about is it actually is ancillary to them and actually enhances what they can do to communicate with the customer. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot of different components within digital and, and e-commerce that gets um, simplified when uh, it's not that it's hard, but it's complex and you need to think very critically and methodically about all these different components and how they they puzzle or piece together. And so, yeah, when I, I look at what you guys are talking about, that's sorry, I went down a trail there, but you start okay. to look at those core components and uh, that's really where it, where it starts and identifying who are the customers that you're targeting with that. There's different types of customers. There's business savvy ones, transactional ones, relationships driven ones and so who are you targeting and what are they going to be demanding and how do you deliver on that? Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is I think everybody expected that transactional grower segment to grow faster than it did. Right. We saw the introduction of some of those companies like FBN, like Kamada Ag, the mm-hmm. AgMen marketplace. When we launched that back in 2018, assuming that transactional grower segment was going to grow faster than it has. It's right now, it's only about 10% of the overall market. But what we do know is that there's a group of over 55% of customers that feel like their experience would be improved 
with a digital tool from their trusted retailer. And that's the core message, right? Is customers want to interact with their trusted retailers. They want to be able to do business with the folks that they've done business with since dad, grandpa, great grandpa ran the farm, right? But they they want a digital way or a digitally enabled purchasing process along the way. And you kind of touched on a few things that we see being very important to customers and being very easy kind of adoption tools. You know, you think about the credit application, like you mentioned, no more sales agronomists carrying stacks of financial information in their trucks and trying to get that back to the office for the credit department. You can apply right online. You can apply for an increase in your credit online and really see a breakdown of what you have. When it comes to invoices or bill payments, you can do that um, based on what's due now, based on what's due, uh, what's overdue, or, you know, if there's any prepaid dollars, you can really take care of all of that. And it's pretty fascinating. What we've seen with with the invoices is when we have a grower portal on average in the first 60 days over a million dollars of invoices are paid which is a pretty substantial number right like take those invoices that used to take 30 days to be mailed out printed mailed out then reviewed by the customer a check was written they were mailed back then it was opened at the retail location and then they finally deposited that now it takes five minutes Right. Yeah. So. yeah, it's I, I agree. And you know, I think this gets referenced a lot. This isn't necessarily novel, but I, I look and compare us to, to banking in a lot of ways. And you know, I have I have a good relationship with the, an individual or my representative at uh, the Royal Bank of, of Canada. And and uh, he's great. He supports me, you know, helps me, gives me he knows I'm interested in investing all this. So he sends me all this stuff. But if they did not have a app, if they didn't have an online component, so I could go on there, I'd say see you later. Like I, I would be I w- it wouldn't even be a question. It would be, you know what, I'm I'm leaving I'm going to you know whoever else has that digital component because uh, it's just uh, it's asinine almost at this point to to not have that and and to me I, I start to look at retail it's crazy that it has taken this long and I think there has been some initiatives by different uh, um, retails to, to start to get some of this stuff online but it hasn't been emphasized it hasn't been uh, thought of okay how do we actually start to expand this out into other areas of, of our business and so uh, I think uh, it when it's just kind of a standalone or in a silo it makes it difficult to talk about and for a farmer to, to utilize. But uh, if it's something that kind of integrates their crop plans and all of their invoices and their prepays, and it also has some of their scouting information and it has all this different stuff, it can be pretty, pretty valuable to them. And, and uh, that's where you can really uh, add value to that customer and, and really start to talk about, hey, you know what, this customer isn't going to go buy from the other retailer down the road because I know that I'm supporting the things that they need and that are valuable to them and that will actually make their lives easier. Yeah. And you think about that, like that's so spot on because you think about how many different apps or places or websites that these growers and sales agronomists have to go to get all of their data. I mean, I think about, you know, when you're looking at everything from seed genetics and you're trying to learn about different crop protection products, and then you're trying to look at your weather information, your invoice information, your financials, whatever it may be, it seems like they have 15 different places to go just to accomplish one growing season. And whatever you can do to kind of aggregate that information, not only on a website, but on a mobile app, like you said, same way. If there's not a mobile app, I probably am not going to use or interact with that, that retailer, that brand, whatever it may be, because I just need that convenience. And it's not just the younger generation too, that I think is really fascinating. And, um, you know, Tracy in our last webinar mentioned that she's like, you segment your customers more often than not on either age or farm size. And I think that that change or that shift that we're seeing is really interesting because, you know, it's not just senior on the farm with junior taking over. That's the technologically savvy one. 
it almost reverses in some instances because the folks that are maybe getting a little bit older and are doing less of the manual labor on these operations now have the time and the savvy, savvy, savviness, I guess, for lack of a better word, to really start interacting and doing some of that research. And then like, I think about our own farm that I grew up on and my mom handles pretty much all of the books and all of the payments. And she loves online banking. Like if she could have that for everybody, um, for her, for their retailer that they interact with, I know it would make their lives way simpler. She would just turn on auto pay and, you know, kind of set it and forget it. And then yeah. at the end of the season, download all of our invoices and upload it into QuickBooks, right? Like how, yeah. how much easier can we get to save those customers time? That's exactly. And I think at the end of the day, customers are smart, specifically farmers. They're business people managing multi-million dollar businesses. And I think at the end of the day, it's not about being 25 or about being 55. It's about where are the incentives and, and where am I going to save my time and where adds value to me? And if it's going to make my life that much easier to be able to manage things online, you're going to see adoption. And, and that's not just saying, hey, you know what? I have a digital portal now. It needs to be very uh, intuitive from a, a workflow perspective and a usability perspective and all those things need to come into play. But ultimately, farmers are exceptionally intelligent individuals. They, they uh, don't run their operations uh, being ignorant. They, they do it by um, looking for the best thing to be um, implementing and utilizing. And so that's where I, I do think, I think you, I've seen something from, from yourselves actually where your uptake is actually higher in some of that higher or uh, older age bracket actually versus some of the younger. And I mean, part of that, you have more managers that are, that are older, but I don't think it comes down to age necessarily. It comes down to mindset. And uh, uh, there's just as many 55 year olds that, that have a a 25 year old mentality as there's 25 year olds that, that have a a 65 year old mentality, uh, if you want to put it that way. And so uh, I think a lot of it comes down to really being able to have some of those conversations and identify, you know, who are these customers? What are they looking for? And, and uh, how can we make sure that we, we support them? Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, Sid, um, Sid Gorham, I'm going to say that last name wrong, the granular co-founder, I think he said it really, really well when he said, farmers aren't tech adverse, they're tech intolerant. And if something doesn't work the first time, they're going to drop it. And so your point about it being intuitive and being really kind of all encompassing, if they have to go 10 different places to find the pieces of information they need, they're not going to use it. Or if it doesn't work on their phone or it doesn't easily work on their desktop, they're not going to interact with it. And I think the same is true for sales agronomists. Like they already have so much going on and they're working with so many different programs. You don't want to just add another app or another avenue for them to kind of get lost in information. And so having one tool that works for both their customers and for them, I think really helps provide kind of that all encompassing to use the buzzword of the world right now, that omni-channel Um, right? Like it doesn't matter where, when, or how they're interacting, whether it's in person, on the phone or online, they're still getting the same level of service and they're getting access to the same exact information, arguably maybe even a little bit more instant access to information through the portal, depending on what they're looking for. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And I think you nailed it with people don't want to go all over to, to get uh, one different piece of information everywhere. And I think that's where, uh, as retailers, something that, that needs to be thought of today is, you know, what is my tech stack going to look like moving forward? What sort of tools do I need to be able to um, offer really in-depth agronomic services? So can I partner with a farmer's edge to be able to offer some of these services? Agben might be my digital portal. Um, there might be a, another company that has uh, virtual communication tools so that I can 
make sure that my um, communication is, is more seamless from an agronomy perspective. There might be different insurance product companies to be able to, to come in as well. And what does that stack look like? And how do I integrate that into one specific area so that my customers have access to all that, my staff have access to all that. And it's, it's, very beneficial to, to both parties and adds value to them and, and makes our lives easier because I, I see being able to integrate all that together. We talk a lot about adding value to, to the customer, but it, it also has to add value to, to the retailer so that they can continue to invest and serve and support. And, and so, you know, what are some of the different tools that you can look at to build out when it comes to managing your own uh, marketing programs uh, and being able to market effectively directly, being able to manage some of the programs from your manufacturers, manage the relationship with those manufacturers, inventory management, all those sorts of things. So what does a stack need to look like to take all the way, you know, I start to look at the year from a September on to a call it August timeframe. And so what does that process look like? Where does, where do things start and where can I actually look all throughout that process to add a, a technology? And again, you don't have to add a technology necessarily, but is there a technology available that can be utilized and, and brought into in-house to serve my staff, to serve my customers? And, and can I integrate that into you know one ERP system or can I integrate that into one offering? So like you said, everything is in one place. There is something there that uh, adds value to, to every single piece of, of the puzzle being the the marketers, the agronomists, the farmers, the, the farmers hired hands, all those sorts of things. And how do you see some of the innovative retailers or the early adopting retailers of technology really evaluating their tech stacks and making some of those impactful changes to become extremely competitive and relevant against, you know, the nutrients of the world that have a lot in-house that they're already offering to their customers. Yeah, I think that's a good question. And I think it, it varies. I think a lot are, are just kind of starting and they're trying to figure out, you know, where do they want to play? I think we're going to have, you know, call it four different types of retailers. You're going to have a direct, which is uh, you alluded to FBN. You're going to have like the marketplace uh, type of build outs. You're going to have the omni channel and you might have a, have a traditional. And so where do you want to play? I, I think is, is one of the, the components, but I look at uh, one retailer that I, that I have a lot of respect for as an independent retailer in, in uh, Canada. And, you know, they really started with, we are going to focus on serving the customer with unique digital agronomy offerings. And that's what we're going to look to, to build out and not just take one company's system, but take a few different companies' systems so we can build out something unique that is value added that we can actually make sure that the farmer's benefiting, but that we can monetize. They're starting to look at, okay, on top of that, how do we actually build out an, an e-commerce approach? And it, it doesn't, uh, and a digital e-business approach, and it doesn't just, uh, um, you know, pop up overnight. It's a lot of, I know I've talked to some of them and they, they have meetings consistently over the last year, 18 months to build out what does this need to look like who are we targeting? What what do we want to actually offer to these customers, and and how do we make that happen? And and how do we make sure that our staff are aligned on that? And so I, I think it really comes down to just identifying yourselves. Where do you want to start, and and who are your customers? And I, I don't think there's one specific answer. I get asked sometimes, you know, who's going to win, and and I don't know if it's necessarily who's going to win. I think we actually today we see you know kind of one general strategy. I think that's maybe oversimplifying. There's there's a few different ones. You kind of have that that one generic strategy of you know we want to add value and service and, and support farmers in that way. But we might actually see more of a, a diversity in, in terms of what are some of these offerings in the marketplace looking like. You might have more of a, a really value added agronomy services that supports with some chemicals or, or biologicals or whatever fertilizer products. And you might have someone that just plain and simple is, you know what, come pick it up in the shed and, and uh, you know, have on your way, hire an independent agronomist and, and uh, that's going to be the approach. And so I, I think it, it, 
really depends on on uh, the emphasis. And but I think it does come down to identifying who are you targeting and, and where do you want to invest and what are you willing to do to build out your organizational infrastructure, the digital infrastructure and to identify what what that needs to look like for, for yourself in your marketplace. Yeah, kind of going back to what you said earlier about really understanding who your customer base is, what they're looking for, um, and also understanding what can be ancillary to your sales team and to your business as a whole. So it's not just this completely siloed, separate digital yeah. thing that everyone's a little worried about or doesn't quite understand, but it's fully just a, a normal part and a normal integrated um, component of the overall retail location. Thanks for tuning in to part one of our chat with Shane Thomas. Tune into part two, where we'll dive deeper into how digital tools can provide instant access to information for sales agronomists and customers, how those digital tools can help folks discover efficiencies, what's been happening with the adoption of digital tools in agriculture, and how giving customers a digital option enhances the customer relationship. If you have any questions or would like to learn more about Farmer's Edge or Upstream Ag Insights, please check out the links in the show notes. Thanks for tuning into Ag Trends. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us with the information in the show notes. See you next time.